Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. We've got it all on this Overreaction Monday edition of the Lombardi Line. The good, the bad beats, and the ugly. Will the real worst quarterback in the NFL please stand up? Welcome in. Uh, alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi out there in Jersey, I'm Stormy Tony, live from Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. In about 30 minutes, we'll also be joined by Thomas Gable, director of the Racing Sportsbook at the Borgata, and an hour to our senior NFL analyst, Mike Pritchard. What a week four we have had in the NFL, Michael, and it's not over yet. Still Monday night football to come, but heck of a Sunday. It really was interesting Sunday. You know, a lot of games in the early window, not great games in the late window. Uh, The Charger Raider game was interesting in the second half, uh, but you know, and then the night game last night, I mean, you know, when it was 20 to nothing or 17 to nothing early after the Jets gained after the Chiefs gained 200 yards in the first quarter. I think I think this is coming to an end, and all of a sudden, Mahomes starts doing unlike Mahomes things. I, I, if I were at the Chiefs, I got to say this to you, Stormy. If I were at the Chiefs, this whole Taylor Swift thing to me seems to be more of a distraction than it needs to be. Like it's a self inflicted wound on our team. See, I think okay. it needs to kind of like. I think it's like getting in the way of us being what we need to become. Michael, my only counter to that would be that this is a Kansas City Chiefs team that has played in and won Super Bowls. So if you're telling me having a celebrity in the building is a bigger distraction than all of the rigmarole and like fanfare that goes around a Super Bowl, I can't buy that. Like grow grow up a little bit, maybe. It's it's a little bit. It's it's a it's an attention vapor. Right. And so. I know they can deal with it, but there's a lot of stuff going on that to me seems like you lose your focus. Like, just think about it. If you're Kelsey and you know she's coming to the game, I mean, there's a lot of planning that goes into this. Like, she just doesn't show up with her clear bag walking through security. Like, you got to get the plane. You know, you got to do. There's a lot of things that you have to do outside your life that become a little bit of a, a, to me, become harder. So, I don't know. I I just think, I I think it, one of the things I think the focus isn't there. And it looked like it last night. It looked like it for a quarter. And then all of a sudden it went away. And as good as they played defensively, I think not having Nick Bolton out there really hurt them, especially last night. And Zach Taylor, Zach Wilson, excuse me, played his best game. But when the game was on the line, when, when it's 20 to 20, from that moment forward, you know, they really couldn't do anything. They, they could not make a play offensively. And, you know, he had the fumble. And then when you break down the game, you know, when you break down the rest of the game from that moment forward, I think he was he was six of seven, you know, six of seven for like 17 yards. I mean, that, that kind of kills you when you go in there. What was he? Oh, excuse me. He's four of seven for, for 16 yards. They get, they, after they tied the game, they ran 13 plays. He gets three first downs. And they're four of seven for 16 yards. So I do think it was an interesting game, Michael, because like you referenced, like the Chiefs get out to this kind of guns a blazing start and 
you look like this Jets defense is just totally checked out. But then as Zach Wilson started to play better, it's almost like defensively they realized, okay, we actually might have an opportunity if he's going to play like this all game. They get reinvested. You have the Patrick Mahomes making the uncharacteristic mistakes. You talk about some of those football just like floaters, wobblers, right into the hands of the Jets defense. Um, But then Zach Wilson does some things that you just – Kind of, I, I know somebody as that was sweating a Chiefs teaser leg in this spot that I was screaming at the end of the game, like, where is my Zach Wilson fourth quarter interception or turnover that we just feel like is due? And then we end up getting it on the botch snap. But overall, it was a really good game from him, Michael. You mentioned the best this season, but yeah. maybe the best that he's had since he's been a starter in the NFL, honestly, given the caliber of defense we know that Kansas City has had. And Not only did he look different, Michael, but he sounded different, too. I'm curious your reaction to his Mm -hmm. postgame. I I thought he sounded different. I thought he looked different. He looked more confident. confident. He didn't look like the weight of the world was on him. And the other thing I think helped, too, is his offensive line, I thought, played their best game. What shocked me after watching the game and then watching again this morning is when I started to work on this week and work on the show – is how are the Jets a two-and-a-half-point dog to the Denver Broncos who might mm-hmm. have the worst defense I've ever seen in my life? Mm-hmm. How is that? I know they're playing in Denver, but didn't the Jets do enough yesterday to think that they're the better team? Michael, there are a couple of lines or do like you that. Think there's a, Go ahead. Do you, or do you think this is the Zach Wilson is just going to be a disaster? Well, so I, I, that's the question, right? Is Is what we saw this week – evidence that Zach Wilson can move forward in a positive direction and that Nathaniel Hackett's dialed up some things that can have him have success or was this the anomaly and that he's just going to go back to what we have largely seen from Zach Wilson but you have that line Michael and then another one that intrigued me a little bit was the Bengals Cardinals line looking ahead to next week and I know they did make an adjustment on the initial look ahead where it was an eight and a half point spread but then reopened yesterday five And based on the things that I've seen from the Arizona Cardinals and what I've seen from the Cincinnati Bengals, that was another line where I was like, "Um, are we sure that that's the right number? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, I circled it down when I wrote it. I thought that to me, this Arizona Cardinal team has proven they've played well. I think Joshua Dobbs has played better than a lot of guys drafted in the first round. You know, he's he, he wasn't the problem yesterday. Look, they, they gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter, and, and you know that they're they're a tough team to play. Let's face it, San Francisco. When the quarterback only throws one incomplete pass, it's hard to slow them down. But you know, I think we're undervaluing Arizona. I, I don't think the solution for the Bengals is going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be really hard for them because they're in one formation. Now they lose one of their best players in Pickens, and. And so they lose the outside receiver, uh, Higgins. I'm sorry. I'm thinking Carl Pickens, who used to play this, looks the same when he was at the Bengals. But they lose lose Higgins, and they can't run the ball. They really don't want to run the ball. And their offensive line is a disaster. So how does this get fixed? And Arizona just is going to keep playing hard, hard, hard. They, They don't give up. And, Michael, to bring all of this back to the Jets game, Zach Wilson through four games has better numbers than Joe Burrow. And that's not something that I saw on my bingo card or would have predicted based on what we've seen to this point. And again, exactly. And again, in that game yesterday against Patrick Mahomes, you put those numbers head to head and, and he outplayed Mahomes. If you look to at Opta stats, Wilson is officially the only opposing quarterback to have more completions, more passing yards and touchdown passes, as well as fewer interceptions than Mahomes in a Mahomes start ever. And that's college or pro football, 127 total starts, including the postseason. That is a wild, wild thought based on what we saw in this game. And and I know I got your opinion briefly on, on Zach Wilson sounding different. I want the people at home to hear it because we know last year, um, last November, the soundbite that made the rounds was the question asked to Zach Wilson, do you think you let your defense down? And he, without hesitation, said, no, no, moved on to the next question. Hear him last night. Yeah, that's on me. I, you know, critical situation. I can't, I can't have a play like that. I cannot drop the ball, you know, and this team is sacrificing a lot. You know, guys are making plays. Defense was making plays. O-line was protecting. Um, receivers were making plays. And to be driving right there and to, to drop a snap, you know, I cannot do that. The maturity just sounds so much different than what we heard last year, Michael. 
I agree. And he played different and, and he's something to build on, right? It's yeah. something to build on. And I think it's it's a giant step forward. But the, the elephant in the room is still their defense. They gave up 400 yards. Yeah. They gave up 200 yards. We said on the show Sunday morning, if you're taking the Jets in the nine and a half, you're relying on Andy Reid to stop running the ball. Now he had 35 carries in the game for over 200 yards. And 51 of them came from Mahomes. So they didn't stop running the ball. But had they run it even more, I'm sure they would have. Like, where is this Jet defense that's supposed to be a lead? I keep looking for it. Like, <laughs> I, and and you're, if you're going to win with Zach Wilson, if you're going to win, your defense has got to play really good. Now, they did in the red zone. This game's only close because the, the Chiefs were 0 for 4 in the red zone. I was laughing last night and I tweeted about it, Michael. I tweeted at you. Like, I loved how on the social media you were yesterday, you were doing your best Twitter Femi. And that was one of the comments that you made was about the Jets defense. Like, can somebody please talk about it finally? And unfortunately for the Jets defense, Michael, that sauce Gardner penalty late in the game with what should have been looked like it was going to be Patrick Mahomes third interception. He gets called. And then obviously that sets up the chiefs too, which are, IP Chiefs backers for Patrick Mahomes running and sliding at the two. So you don't get the cover on the big number there. But uh, that was one issue where I felt like the Jets defense actually was good. And it stunk that that's the call that happened in that spot. It, it did, but it should have been offsetting penalties in all honesty. I mean, because there was a hold in there too, right? I mean, there was a bad hold in there that got away with it. And it should have, and that, that should have been offsetting. I thought it was, look, I know this. We could spend all day Monday talking about bad calls. You want to know bad yeah. calls? Go to, what, did you watch the Raider game? They called it <laughs> Jacoby Myers for offensive pass interference. The last play of the game, the guy pushes off the corner. They don't call that play. They call, Kobe, they call Jacoby Myers for a crackback block when he was blocking the support guy in the run game. There was never – even Trent Green said, there's no crackback here. That cost the Raiders three points. So we, which again, no excuse. The Raiders lost the game, turned the ball over. They deserve to lose. Not suggesting that. But when you start playing that referee got in the way of the game, we could do it for every game. We could do it for every game. Like we could do it every, like, why didn't they call this? Why'd they call that? I mean, you could just sit around. It just, it's your, you waste your time. It's like filling out the forms to judge the officials after a game when you're in the league. You're wasting your time. They'll yeah. just laugh at you. And I mean, the there's games, same thing. There were, I was just going to say, and there's pretty much a, a holding on every offensive play in the NFL if we really take a deep look at it. That's just how it is. But, I mean, officiating, coaching decisions, still so much more that we're going to talk about on the other side, including we haven't even gotten to the statement performance of this past Sunday. The Buffalo Bills looked pretty dang good against Miami. We'll get into that in a moment on the Lombardi line. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get our daily email recapping all of the best bets from each of our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to the VSEN.com slash picks page where you can sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check out the top VSEN experts leaderboard as well to view betting records, profit, and ROI. See which VSEN expert has the hot hand at any given time. For VSEN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. You can sign up for just $19 for your first month at VSEN.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back into the Lombardi line and Michael, the Buffalo Bills yesterday with a statement division win over the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. never trailed in a 48 to 20 victory. It was the highest total on the board. It goes over. What impressed you more? The fact that Josh Allen now for a third straight game has played at an MVP caliber level after what we saw week one or the way that the Bills defense was able to combat the team speed and everything offensively we know Miami's been capable of? I, I think the latter because jo- I think Josh Allen has finally found the, the formula in himself, that he's now the point guard. He doesn't have to be the scoring guard. He can be the point guard, and he can distribute the ball to a, a lot of different players and make plays. Plus, they're willing to run the ball, and they're not – the, the Bengals – today are what the bills were last year the difference is burrow can't duplicate what josh allen could in terms of taking over the game with his feet he can't move the bills when they were doing that with allen trying to be the main ball carrier and all that they didn't really have an offense they had a bunch of plays and they relied on their talent now they're running an offense and they're really hard to stop and it's fun to watch i mean you know they didn't run the ball that well yesterday but they ran enough where you were off balance and then he was sensational in the passing game. His accuracy is at an all-time high level. And I was really impressed. But to, to get Miami into 10 third downs, yeah. to get Miami and sack two or four times when you know the ball's coming out so quick, to hold Tyreek Hill, which we knew he was going to do. We knew McDermott had limited him to 18 catches for 170 yards in the last three games. What shocked me about this game, it, was, it wasn't close. Every other game has been close. But this Buffalo team, to me, even though I don't think I didn't think they were great on defense, they took the game over with their defense. And I know some of the numbers with Miami are obviously skewed based on what they did last week in the 70 point performance. But if you look at the averages through the first three weeks, they averaged 43.3 points per game, 550 yards per game. They were 13 of 28 on third down with just three total turnovers and one sack allowed. Yesterday, just 20 points, and although Miami did still get their yards, 393 total yards of offense, 3 of 10 on third down, as you mentioned, 0 for 3 on fourth down, two turnovers and the four sacks. First team to be able to get to it to the ground. The speed of the linebacking core, the things that they were able to do, Michael, defensively, they lead the league in sacks and takeaways. And they don't have Von Miller. Like, that's what is another thing that I think goes unnoticed. Like, their key cog on defense isn't even out there while they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, and Leonard Floyd's picked up the slack. Leonard Floyd has been a great addition to this team. He's really been something that they need. But let's put it in perspective here a little bit. Okay, so yes, the Dolphins almost had 400 yards. But when you look at the set, they got 120 of those yards in the fourth quarter when the game was over. The game was over in the fourth quarter. And so, you know, the, the, the three drives they had in the second half when the game was over were 75, 63, and 64. 
So you're looking at almost 200 yards of the 300 that they got in the second half when the game was over. The scoreboard dictated the game was over. So credit to credit to Buffalo. Then they lose to Darius White, who wasn't playing great, but he's kind of the heart and soul of their team. And Bedford, the other corner, was out too. Yeah. But they're able to do it. They packed the middle of the field. They put a lot of pressure on two as something you know we had not seen. And he made mistakes. He did an overthrow. We've seen this before. Fumble. We've seen that before. And they couldn't get into a groove offensively. They couldn't keep pace. And we keep waiting for this, you know, we keep waiting for this Miami defense to turn the corner. They paid a first-round prick for Bradley Chubb. But Van Ginkle's had more production on terms of rushing the passer than Chubb has. Chubb's been non-existent in four games. For uh, Tredavious White, just because you mentioned that, I haven't seen an update on his MRI, but he is supposed to have one today. The fear is that it's a torn Achilles. Um, And also with that depth kind of in the defensive backfield, DeMar Hamlin did get on the field for the first time yesterday. It was just special teams. But maybe if there's some issues, there could be opportunity for him to get involved. He has gone up from minus 110 for comeback player of the year to minus 250 after now having officially taken the field. So I think that's something to keep an eye on in that spot as well. And and as for the division, Michael, like what an important win that was for Buffalo. That's what I keep thinking about, especially considering Miami going into the game was a minus 160 favorite in the division. Well, plus Miami went into Buffalo with perfect weather. I mean, could you have asked for anything better? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get Buffalo and you get them the 1st of October, your perfect weather, that's got to favor Miami, which is what I thought would and why you I wanted to take the three there. You know, the one thing I want to throw out to you, and I'm sure you watch this game closely, Josh Dobbs for comeback player of the year. Now, I don't know what he's coming back from because he really didn't have a career, <laughs> but this kid's playing really well. Like, he's not the reason. He's playing better than a lot of guys that were drafted in the first round. You know? And and Hamlin, just to get on the field, deserves comeback player of the year. I get that. But Josh Dobbs, I don't even think he has odds to be comeback player of the year. But he, that addition to their team by him, trading for him, has been really impressive. I mean, he's made plays. Yeah, and if he starts winning some games too, like I saw somebody write on Twitter yesterday, I want to say it was Pam Maldonado, uh, a host here at Beeson, who said the Cardinals are the best team that's losing games right now. And, and Dobbs sitting there 28 to 1, they've been competitive, they've been scrappy, they have not looked like the team we thought that they were going to look at, um, look like. So yeah, 28 to 1 for Dobbs, ninth on the odds board for comeback player of the year. Hamlin still your favorite, minus 250. And Baker Mayfield there at 15 to 1. I know we'll talk about the Bucks a little bit later, but might he be the best quarterback in the NFC South based on what we've seen so far? Um, Let's talk about this Eagles commanders game, Michael, because I want your opinion on what happened at the end of the game. The Eagles end up winning in overtime 34 31 don't cover um, total goes well over, but If we go through the end of game situation, Eagles are up 31-24. Washington gets the ball back late. They drive down the field. Time's about to expire. Sam Howell connects with Jahan Dotson for a 10-yard touchdown. It's 31-30. So-called Riverboat Ron, instead of (laughs) going for it and going for the win for the two-point conversion, elects to kick the extra point and take this thing to overtime, despite his rationale post-game being that his guys were gassed. Because if, if you're gassed, why do you want to play more football? and go up against a defense that was just able to walk down the field. I don't understand that, but uh, but neither here nor there. How did you evaluate the end-of-game decision-making from Ron Rivera? I think, you know, the, the your point is well taken. Like, if you're exhausted, why don't we just get it all in one play, right? Let's just do it. Let's just get out of here in one play. But what bothers you more than anything is one of my criticisms of of most of the te- times when you are making these in-game decisions is nobody's paying attention to the game. The Eagles had moved the ball in the second half up and down the field. Yeah, They only had the ball for three minutes and change in the fourth quarter and still had 10 points. You know, and this Washington defense was not very good. All day, it wasn't very good. The Eagles averaged 6.2 yards per play. The only drive that they were able to get off the field in the second half was they got backed up their third and 12 and, and they missed the completion. But to me, why would you let Hurts, who's throwing the ball on you, Pretty regularly, you're getting no pass rush on him. Chase Young was really non-existent in the game. And why would you give him a chance to get the ball? And, yep, they had to go 10 plays. I think they got 34 yards plus, Stormy. Elliott's a really good long-range kicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the ch- chances are 
you're probably not going to if if and then you get the ball first, which your team's already tired, right? Yeah, your team's already tired, and you got three plays and punt it back. Now you're done. Now you're doomed. I, I thought he should. I thought again, not a second, not a first, second guess, first guess. I think he had no choice. They were gassed on defense. They were on that. That drive was almost a seven-minute drive at the end of the game. They were gassed. They were tired. I think Philly would have called timeout once the ball got placed at the two so they could get their breath. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, if your team is tired, doesn't that mean the defense is more tired? And you should, that like furthers the point that you should go for it in this situation. And also reinforcing the fact, if you looked at the live odds board at the end of the game, the commanders, Michael, when they went to overtime, despite getting the ball first, were a plus money price on the money line, plus 110. So I get that it's a 50-50 shot one way or the other if you want to finish it at the end of regulation or if you want to go for overtime. But it just felt like in that situation that your team would have been better off just trying to get the win in regulation. And this commander's defense now, back-to-back games, they've let up. 35.2 points per game the last two games, which is not nearly well, what the we expected. last three, they've been over 30, Stormy. Yeah. The last three games, they've given up over 30 points. I mean, look, you know, they kept them on that field. I mean, look, there, that, there was a, that was a 10-play drive to score that touchdown. You don't think the Eagles were exhausted on that 10-play yeah. drive? Yeah. And if you're Philly, it hasn't been pretty, but that's 4-0. A win's but a win. 4-0. Yep, they keep on rolling. Speaking of Philly, I'll, I'll maybe have to find out from the break, Michael, how you're handling this James Harden sitting out training camp situation for the 76ers. We, we got to hit the break here. The we, music's coming, but, you know, found it interesting. <laughs> This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcid.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year round. You can check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com. The appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? Got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business time. You and me at a private talk where step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. All right, Michael, your 215 appointment is here. Step into Michael's <laughs> office. Mac Jones, who is responsible for all three turnovers in the Patriots. Huge loss to the Dallas Cowboys, including two of which that were ugly and returned for touchdowns. The 35-point loss marked not one of the worst, but the worst loss that Bill Belichick has had in his time as the head coach of the New England Patriots. He's a former first-round pick that had high expectations. Michael, he has not lived up to. If he's taken a seat in your office, what do you have to say? Well, I think, Mac, the number one thing we got to do is we got to stop beating ourselves. And that starts with you. You got to protect the football uh, when you look over the last 15 games, we're six and nine. You know, you've thrown 17 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. You know, we've not been able to score more than 27 points in any of those games, win, lose, or draw. And we've got to figure out how to move the football, but also make really good game situation decisions. Last week on third and three, you decided to take a shot on a nine route down the field when the route's an inside route. You know, and then you make a horrible throw when you do it. You got to We. It's not just playing smart. It's being smart. And it starts with just having some confidence and doing what the offense is going to do. Play point guard. Don't try to do more than you're capable of doing. And don't try to force the ball into areas and just react to what you're seeing. Because you've got enough starts. You've seen enough coverages. You've seen enough out there. It's time for you to use your skill set as an accurate thrower and as a decision maker. And if you're not going to do that, it's going to be hard for you to continue your career down the road. I mean, you are one of the four players in this draft that have struggled to play this position at quarterback. Some of it's been on the offensive line, but at the end of the day, you got to make throws that can help us win games. And you haven't been able to do that. And that's going to be starting this week. 
you got to do nothing but no pressure. Just play relaxed, but play smart. You know, you, you, fourth and one, we got to get the first down there. You know, you flick the ball out to the defense, to, to a little receiver. You got to make the flick. Like, these are just things that we have to do. We just can't let it slide. So, for me, to gain confidence in yourself starts with one day. Starts with a great Wednesday practice. Have a great Wednesday practice, and let's do the things you do really well. Yeah, I got to dial back in the mental side, especially after you think about how they brought in an established offensive coordinator and Bill O'Brien for him, kept Mac Jones involved in the way that they were going to reset up this playbook for him yet through three and a half games. He's getting benched and it's not looking good. Another offense that's not looking good right now is that of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Matt Canada stepping into the office here as Pittsburgh was outgained by the Texans in the first half Sunday, 271 to 53 with the Steelers offense having just 35 passing yards. They had four first downs, were two of six on third down and facing a 16-0 hole. And that's just in the first half, Michael. What does Matt Canada need to hear moving forward if he wants to maintain his position in Pittsburgh? Well, Matt, I think what you need to figure out is we've played four games and this is the quarter mark in the NFL season, which is really time to spend on what we need to fix not what our opponent has coming towards us and i would take as much time as possible in the next 48 hours to really try to put on the black on the on the whiteboard things we do well if there are things we do well things we don't do well there's a lot of those and how do we get the ball and how do we maximize what our skills are and how do we highlight that now we're not going to have kenny pickett for the next three weeks so you know you've got Trubisky. You know you're going to have to manage Trubisky because he's prone to make mistakes. But he also gives you a little bit more athleticism at the position. But you're going to have to tailor down the book. You're going to have to kind of rely more on execution. And you're going to have to rely on being a little bit more elaborate with what we're doing. We just can't run, run, pass, run, run, pass. We've got to be able to work the ball. We've won two games this year. Each time we've won a game, we've made a pass play over 70 yards. We've been fortunate. We've been really fortunate. We could easily be 0-4. So you're going to have to figure out what we can do and what we should just stop doing. And it starts with the run game. And it starts with us trying to have some balance to where we can control the line of scrimmage. And you got to figure that out in the next 48 hours. Yep, Mike Tomlin said he needs to see some changes after what they saw. All right, time is up, Matt Canada. Next in the appointment book, Joe Burrow stepping into Michael Lombardi's office. Mm. We talked about it a little bit earlier, Michael, through four games. His numbers are actually statistically worse than that of Zach Wilson so far, obviously playing through a difficult calf injury that has made him look different. He was 20 of 30 for 165 passing yards on Sunday, his second game of the year, sub 200. The offense has not scored a touchdown in the first half of any of their games to this point. If Joe Burrow is in the office, Michael, what are you telling him as it pertains to his health? Does he need to sit and get healthy or does he still give Cincinnati the best chance to win in your opinion? Look, Joe, I think if we're not going to change what we do offensively, if we're not going to tailor it around your lack of mobility, you're actually hurting us more than you're helping us. Now, I'm not saying Jake Browning's going to help us win games, but right now everybody knows you're a sitting target. Nobody cares about you going to go outside the tackle box. Our offensive line isn't good enough to protect you. We can't get first downs. We haven't had a game where we've gotten more than 20 first downs all season. We haven't had a game where we've thrown for over 250 yards all season. And that's really because of, A, our scheme is too generic. We're in one formation all the time. People know where you're going to be. And it's challenging. And so either you're 100% healthy or you got to be 100% not helping the team. And I think you need to take this some time off because we got two games coming up against Arizona and then Seattle. You know, maybe we could go out and play really good defense and beat Arizona. Maybe we could beat Seattle at home. And then we got the bye week before we go play San Francisco after the bye. That's got to be, to me, that gives you three whole weeks to get yourself healthy. Because if we continue down this pace where you can't drive the ball and without T. Higgins in the game, everybody's double and chase. He had them a touchdown all season after four weeks. We're having a hard time moving the ball. And it's only going to get harder now. So why not get healthy? I think you got to think long term, not short term.
Yeah, it's like, Joe, I understand that you're a competitor and you want to be there for your team, but maybe the best way you can be there for your team is by sitting out for a little bit and getting as close to 100% as you possibly can. How about Bryce Young, rookie quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? It's been an ugly start, and I know it's not all on him, Michael. There have been a lot of things that have been issues for the Carolina Panthers here so far, but the 0-4 start for Carolina is the same amount of games lost that Bryce Young had as a starter at Alabama. He is not used to this. What's causing Young's early struggles? How would you encourage him to improve? I think you just got, look, every rookie has this problems. I mean, just call Troy Aikman on the phone. Call Peyton Manning on the phone. You know, I, I wouldn't stress. I keep trying to do the things you're doing. Protect the football is most important. You know, the fumble hurt us, but you've got to do the best thing you can to protect the ball. And you got to try to find a way to work the ball down the field. Right now, we're 31st in the National Football League in yards per attempt. We got to get the ball down the field a little bit. I understand there's not a lot of receivers open and this offensive line doesn't give you a lot of time, but we're going to have to figure out a way to run the ball. And we're going to have to figure out a way to have some play action. Maybe you might want to ask Frank Reich if we can get under center a little bit so we could have some hard play action to give you some throws up the field a little bit. But look, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep studying the game. Keep preparing for the teams that you have been. It's going to all click. And as the team gets better around you and the line starts to protect, I think it's really going to click. Your decision-making has improved upon every single week. The wins have it. But that's part of the problem when you play rookie quarterbacks. Yesterday in the National Football League, a bunch of guys started rookie quarterbacks. One guy won, C.J. Stroud. And he's in a very quarterback-friendly offense. Under center, which he never was. A lot of play-action throws. And he's doing a really good job. So it might be something for you to look at and maybe suggest. Michael, where things sit right now, is Baker Mayfield the best quarterback in the NFC South? Uh, yeah, I think he is. Hard, hard, I mean, th- hard thing to say that, out yeah. loud, isn't it? I mean, Ritter, we were we were doing the game yesterday here. Ritter, you know, he he unless he can throw what I call pitch and catch throws, which is he sees the receiver numbers to him, you know, and he threw three curls before he got the, the fourth curl intercepted. So, yeah, I mean, I think Mayfield, one thing Mayfield's done this year is escaped a lot of problems. He'd gotten out of it, even in the opening game against Minnesota, they had him on the ground, he got away from it, and he's operated within it, and their defense has carried him. Look, when they play better teams, but I think you're right, Stormy, he might be the best one, as hard as that is for me to say. All I get, it felt like it was fitting that Desmond Ritter was playing in the Toy Story themed game because I felt like every time he had the ball in his hands, he just like laid down and played dead, like as if Andy was coming into the room and all the dolls had to lay down. That's just the visual that I had personally. We got a former Atlanta Falcon coming on next. Mike Pritchard, our NFL senior analyst here at Beeson, will join us next. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSAN, the sports betting network. We're back with another week of the NFL and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in all the action with great offers every game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of the week's matchups every week. Walk away an instant winner. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the app now. Sign up using the code Vegas. And as a new customer, you can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. It's only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Make sure you use that code Vegas. The crown is yours yours. We are wrapping up this Monday edition of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and DraftKings Network alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonantoni with you. And Michael, it's time like we do every day around this time to give out our pro tip of the hour. And this one is more so just centered on, I feel like it could be helpful information for the people at home to know if they are betting on the Giants today. And I'm not saying don't bet the Giants. I just want to make sure you have some information in your back pocket that Danny Dimes has not been money in primetime situations. Mm-hmm. One in 11 straight up in primetime, five and eight ATS in his career. It is the worst primetime win percentage by any starting quarterback with a minimum of 10 starts. His only win was last year, week 15. So I just, again, I'm not saying don't bet the Giants because like you and TG have said throughout the show today, Michael, this is like if not now when this feels like a do or die necessary type of a win for the Giants, they are at home opportunity ahead of them with all of this time to prepare for the game. But just something to keep in mind for folks at home. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep it in mind. That's obvious, right? And so, you know, when you look at this, it's. It, Kirk, you're saying he's better than Kirk, Kirk Cousins is actually better yep. than him in this situation. I mean, that's the scary part, right? Exactly. Yeah. I no. mean, that's what makes you worried. I mean, like, at, but, you know, now this is the new $40 million man, so maybe he's <laughs> going to be different. The Giants also have lost five of their last six against Seattle, including three at MetLife during that span. So again, not telling you one thing or the other, just something that for me made me not want to bet the the spread on this game personally. Uh, VEASAN Pro Tips available at VEASAN.com, searchable by sport and by show. But an angle that I did take betting this game, Michael, is Seattle in the first half. It's um, an even money price for them to win by more than a half a point. And if you go through the way that the Giants have started games so far, it hasn't been great. They've been outscored 63 to six in the first half this season, have yet to have a first half lead at any point, let alone at the end of the point at the end Mm -hmm. of the the second quarter. So that's at least an approach that I took that even if you think that the Giants are going to be able to pull this thing out, get the money line win for you late first half seems like a reasonable expectation for Seattle to, to have some success. Well, I think, you know, Stormy, that's the recipe for the Giants to win is they got to play from in front, right? Fair. I mean, we talked about Mac Jones and him always being behind. I mean, I think that's the recipe. And so, you know, now that they've had 11 days off, I think they went back. I said this after week one, they got to go back to being who they are. They, that even though they gave this guy forty million dollars, and we all know he's not a forty million dollar player, you can't you can't change the offense for him to be a forty million dollar player. So for me, they got to go back to what they're doing, and what they're doing is is they have to get him play from in front, be the be the team that leads at halftime and keep the game close and win it in the fourth quarter. And whether they can do that tonight against Seattle remains to be seen. But that's their formula. They can't change their formula. Well, selfishly, I just I hope that that doesn't happen 
for my, for my bank account. But I, I understand the thought process certainly. And I think that was a similar thing. Like when the giants played the 49ers that you were thinking if they're going to have success, they're going to need to get out the gate. They still obviously end up losing that game, but that's kind of the approach that you have as far as injuries go with this game uh, for the giants. They're going to be without their left tackle, Andrew Thomas for a third straight game, dealing with the hamstring Saquon Barkley listed as doubtful. I believe I read earlier today that no player with a doubtful designation on game day has actually played yet. So that would be my expectation here. Although he has been practicing this week on a limited basis, maybe next week is where we see Saquon hit the field. As for Seattle, um, some of their defensive backfield depth might be tested. They have two corners, Artie Burns and Trey Brown, both out Kobe Bryant doubtful, but they do get their safety. Jamal Adams back after a a long recovery from a leg injury last September. Other question marks, offensive tackle, Charles Cross is doubtful. Tight ends, Noah Fant, Will Disley and center Evan Brown, defensive end Draymond Jones and linebacker, Derek Hall, all questionable. Um, Any of those injuries that you feel will really impact this game, Michael? Well, I think Charles Cross not playing if he doesn't play. I mean, now that that they're, they're down two starting tackles on the road, you know, and the Giants' front's got to play better. I mean, Lawrence and Leonard Williams and their guy they have they have not played their style of defense all year. They're going to attack the pocket. They did last year against Geno Smith, you know, in that game. Even though Seattle was able to win the game, uh, they were able to play good defense. I mean, this was one of those games where last year in Seattle that the Giants played outside their comfort zone. They turned the ball over, which is something they can't do to win. So for me, I mean, this, again, I see this as, I don't want to call it a must win, but this is one they've got to play well. The Giants also one of two teams still yet to force a turnover. So how will their defense hold in in this spot? Uh, Any thoughts on the total and where that stands? I've seen it kind of ticking back and forth between 47, 47 and a half at DraftKings at the flat 47. You know, I think it's good for the Giants. They want unders. You got to think if you want the Giants, they want unders because they need they need unders. I mean, they need to slow the pace down. I mean, that's kind of who they are, right? They need to slow the pace down. They're not an explosive offense. They've never been. So for me, I think that's kind of what it has to be as an under. And they got to play great. They can't let look, Kenneth. We're going to see a really good running back in Kenneth Walker mm-hmm. tonight. He's outstanding. He ran the ball very effectively last week against Carolina. And Charbonnet from UCLA is also very good. So they got to play the run really well. They got to put the pressure and, and make Geno Smith kind of hurry up a little bit, kind of like what the Rams did in week one. I fully expect Martindale's defense to come after Geno. And speaking to your thoughts on the under, Michael, right as you're answering that question, I see the flashing lights on DraftKings that it's gone down to 46 and a half. So taking a little bit of under money in that spot. Any thoughts on touchdown scorers or maybe some guys to target for overs? I was looking at my guy, uh, Darren Waller. Maybe he's somebody for a touchdown or for yards. I feel like Seattle, if they have an issue on defense, it's it's been defending tight ends. Um, other areas, potentially, I'm still... I don't usually make my prop bets until closer to game time, and I kind of just go from I know that's not the wisest betting strategy but I feel like I do all my research early in the day and then I get to the first touchdown score thing as like five minutes ten minutes before game time and then I just go wild look look I, th- I think for the Giants Daniel Jones has got they got to be able to throw the football I think they're going to get you'll see them go a little bit of no huddle try to pace this game a little bit and and utilize their the waller in the middle of the field to try to take advantage of the seas. Look, I don't think Seattle now Seattle sacked them six times the last time they played them in Seattle, but that was a different game. They've got to protect the left tackle in this game. They can't let the left tackle hang alone without Andrew Thomas. The right tackle has been a liability as well. Evan Neal, the kid from Alabama. So they got to protect the line a little bit. So when you play fast and if you get the ball out fast, it helps your offensive line. You hold the ball or you chip in those situations, kind of like what the Raiders did just last night. They were chipping with their tackles and O'Connell held the ball too long. You know, sometimes when you have that protection, you want to hold the ball. But sometimes you hold it too long and you end up getting sacked anyway. So I, I think this is really Daniel Jones. He's got to play well. He's got to play well tonight. And I and I, if you're betting the Giants, this game's got to be close going into the fourth quarter. Or the Giants have to play from ahead. I, I would favor more in-game betting okay. than I would anything. I know people say, well, they played from behind against Arizona. Well, that was a little bit of a different situation. I mean, Arizona was basically trying to stall the game out. 
Yeah, no, very, very fair point. And as you saw up there, we had some of the Monday Night Football passing props. I'm actually curious your thoughts on a rushing prop for Daniel Jones in this spot. He's shown some escapability. He can use his legs. 34 and a half. What do you think about the over on on Daniel Jones over? I think he's I think he's got to be he's got to be over. He's got they got to run the six back because I don't think Barkley's going to play. I don't either. And so then when Daniel Jones is running with the ball, the Giants are a better team. And I'm not saying he's got to run 50 times, but 34 years. He's got to he's got to be a threat in the run game. He's got to make Seattle respect him in the run game. And he's got it. Look, all this time, like last night, we saw Mahomes, you know, he gets out of trouble and he converts first downs. That's kind of what guys can do. And that goes back to your earlier point of from a coaching standpoint, doing things that'll play to Daniel Jones strengths. And that's certainly one of them. So that's that's another prop I've been targeting. I don't know. It's so hard for me early in the day to have a good sense of what I want to do. I'm definitely that closer to game time type. But uh, good luck, everybody out there with your bets tonight on Monday Night Football as we wrap up what was a very, I think, intriguing, weird and pretty fun week four in the NFL, Michael. But uh, that's a wrap for us today. I, I think that this two hours went by fast and Mondays always seem to quick yeah always do Stormy great to be with you good to have you again hopefully you're uh, you're well rested for the week we'll get you going yes sir uh, thank you as well to our guy Thomas Gable as well as Mike Pritchard for joining us today yep. producer Elliot Bowman behind the glass we will be back tomorrow same time same place but stick around on DraftKings Network for Pablo Torre and the Sharp Money Crew on VSIN. 